Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Drew is here and Trent is here. Trent came over for the scout school this morning and Drew obviously needed to do another podcast about irrigating because most everyone missed the rain after the last podcast we did with Drew. However, it did rain within just a few hours of Drew's podcast about corn irrigation. It just didn't rain everywhere. No pressure. We need to wash my truck, do a podcast, whatever. <laughs> Have we raised the question, has he been the irrigation specialist during a dry year? Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that. Have we talked about that? Yeah, but and it, he's, uh, it, it bears it, repeating, though. If he hasn't, he is about to be in the midst of one now, it feels like. Yes. It's going on three weeks here, Drew. Three weeks at my – I just wish it would rain so it's not so dusty when I have to mow the yard. It's dusty everywhere. My boots are muddy, and it's not from the rain. Everybody's <laughs> irrigating. Trent, I did not know that you were out of town last week. I remembered you telling me that you were going out of town, but I did not know you were out of town. And I didn't have a question to ask until you told me that you were out of town and where you had been. I don't know if that's an appropriate topic for this. <laughs> Trent, it is now. Yeah. Trent took his daughters. It wasn't Trent's deal. Trent took his daughters to Disney World last week. My question for you, Trent, is did you ride the teacups? Did not ride the teacups. Are the teacups still there? I believe I walked by the teacups. Okay, I hadn't been in mercifully have not been in many, many years. I was just curious about the teacups. Have you gotten It's a Small World out of your head yet? Ooh, good one. Probably until you just said that. That's exactly why I brought that up. Now it's going to be stuck in my head. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thank you very much. It's a small world. (laughs) I'll just sit here and sing it in the background for you. Whistle it for us, Tom. No, I'll sing it. I'm going to shame you into whistling eventually. Trent was out of town last week. Tom was busy. I was busy. Drew was busy. We acknowledge that this episode needed to go out several days ago. It's like Memorial Day happened, switch flipped, and there's water running everywhere on soybeans. So we know that a lot of areas started watering last week, but pipe is still rolling out and water's being initiated even as we speak. That's why we wanted to get these guys together this morning and talk about that because there are areas that are maybe not quite as dry yet or beans are a little bit younger. And so we've got pretty much the the whole spectrum of possibilities out there. Drew, what are the questions you're getting? What's the information that you're collecting from folks? I feel like after we had our, our, our last podcast, I feel like it was relatively calm. I and mean, we people were ready to start irrigating corn. We had Memorial Day right ahead of us, I, I believe, is the week right before Memorial Day. And then over that weekend, I just feel like it, it ramped up real quickly on getting really dry, polypipe being rolled out as fast as possible. So the questions that I get, you know, you always joke about it being a wet or dry year or, or Drew doesn't, Drew's an irrigation specialist and it just rains all the time. When it's hot and dry in the middle of the growing season, there's not a lot of questions they have for me, to be honest with you. I mean, you look at the 10 the day forecast and it's dry and there's no rain coming and get after where it. it go. Yeah, there's not a lot of decision. But this time of year, my phone is blowing up like crazy. And it is mostly the, it's hot and dry, and then worried about the younger 
planted or the later planted, the younger growth stage in, in corn and, and beans. Um, and those are where the hard decisions begin through the conversation. And, and so that's what we're seeing. I think for the most part, a lot of people have started irrigating, um, even last week. Some of the stuff that we have on trials that we have sensors in the field, we started last week on irrigating because uh, it needed it. You've got the spectrum of, of growth stages, and, and, and you know that's what we always talk about is, is looking at moisture in the ground and getting your growth stage and, and making decisions off of that. I could tell last Tuesday, May 30th, you could tell by the phone traffic that that, that time of year is here. You know, and that and that's the main question that, that I was getting asked is, you know, here we are. Most of our early beans were were R two full bloom. That's a little cleaner of a of a recommendation there. We we know that we want to initiate irrigation while we're in full bloom and, and charge that soil profile as we get ready to start setting pods and, and moving forward. To Drew's point about the early stuff, that one that one really is difficult. And just as a general rule of thumb, anything in a vegetative growth stage, so prior to bloom, prior to any flowers, anything in a vegetative growth stage, generally speaking, an irrigation event's not going to improve yield potential. The exception to that rule is stand establishment or keeping the crop alive. And I don't think that we're at risk of anything that has already been established being so drought stressed vegetatively yet that, that it would harm it. But we do have a handful of acres that were planted recently, planted within the last couple of weeks, planted into some marginally dry dirt that we may we may have to do a vegetative type irrigation event to, just to get the stand established and, and get it to move forward. How do you address those needs? Because the thing that always pops into my head and you use the one word that the plant pathologist in the room latches onto, which is stress. Soybean can look stressed if it's drought stressed but can't you over-irrigate it into a stressful situation? And is that something you need to be concerned about now in vegetative stages? So for me, yes, yes. So drought stress, excessive moisture stress can, can all be very similar. For me, I, I would err on the side of not irrigating unless things got really extreme in a vegetative situation because I would want to promote root development. Uh, we all know how stressful the end of the year can be around here. And if we irrigate too soon, we might discourage some of those deeper uh, roots from developing that could be beneficial when we get to R5, right? As far as that goes, how to identify the stress is not quite as, at least to me, it's not quite as apparent as a crop like corn. You know, you can ride down the road and see corn going 70 miles an hour. Uh, soybeans will, will be similar. They'll be wilted and uh, just won't won't look happy, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it. It'd be hot and, and dry, but Drew can comment, you know, these soil moisture sensors to help us identify what's really going on below the, the soil level is the number one thing that, that makes me feel good about identifying how much stress is really possibly there. And, and it, it just goes straight to how much available moisture there is beneath the soil. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're seeing through the moisture sensors that we have scattered out, and, and that helps, makes life so much easier making the decision, and I feel like I'm broken record every time we say that about looking at the sensors, but when, when we look at growth stages as we get into R2 and R3 and full bloom and trying to hold off into irrigating in a vegetative state, it makes you feel so much better knowing there there is moisture down there, and you, it's dry driving across the top of the field and walking across it, but if you look down there, there is moisture and it's real encouraging to see, not only can we see that there's moisture down there, but we're watching the root growth 
as it uh, takes that water up, uptake of, of moisture as it goes down and, and looking at our deeper and deeper sensors so that we're looking at it actually growing and it's going down there and establishing itself and finding water deeper that is actually down there. And, and, and that's where you hurt yourself irrigating too early, like you just said. I mean, it, it's later in that season is when that makes irrigation even harder later on in the season. If we never saw water uptake past, let's say, 12 inches in any of our sensors and we irrigated, then, you know, there's not down there, then we got to irrigate accordingly to that, knowing that there's not roots down there. And so that makes it more frequent, frequently needed irrigations because it's it's not using the full profile that our normal root uh, stands may be, may be looking at. Drew, when we had this similar conversation about initiating irrigation on corn, you were talking about the sensor set at 24 inches for corn. So what's your trigger depth for a sensor in a soybean field? Well, I'll answer this this way, and then we can go into that, because it makes it a little bit more difficult to me in, in beans. But most of what we're seeing is it's pulling quite a bit at 12 inches. Right now, this year, um, relative to some other years, it's, I'm seeing a lot of zeros, a lot of no, no water use at the 24 inches. I don't, I don't, that's what I've seen a lot. And that's where the decisions get a little bit harder is, you know, we, we've got really dry six and 12, but completely saturated at 24. And if we have a six, 12 and 24 depth, that's a big gap in between a 12 and 24. I mean, those roots may be chugging water at 18 inches or 20 inches right there and that we just can't, can't see it. The depth placement is important. But I like to try to hold off to see at least start pulling at 24 inches. And most of the time we, we've been able to do that on our trials is, is look at 24 inches um, in the soybean as well. But right now, a lot of irrigation has started with just, with just 6 and 12 uh, root depth and not having a 24 going. But I, I like to hold off, but it's a slippery slope and, a, and it's something that makes a decision a lot harder. And I think that decision changes a little bit with the temperatures that we've had. I mean, we got up, it was like 94 yesterday afternoon, Tom. Yeah, it was 94 Saturday too, but it was cool this morning. It was 66 when I got up to walk the dog. Drew, for folks that may not have listened to the episode on corn, what are the options that you're using to trigger this irrigation? Instead of sensors? Yes. Well, I mean, growth stage, and, and then if you got a probe going down there and poking down and seeing what, what moisture, even with sensors, a lot of times I'll go down there with the soil probe and, you know, make sure what, what I'm seeing on the sensors is, is, is accurate and, and there's moisture down there. But, I mean, that's, that's for the most part what we look at. And, and then timing and growth stage, and you got to use the weather, forecast what's going on too. You don't want to get behind. And some of this heavier clay, even with sensors, and I'll, uh, as much as I promote and, and want to use sensors, the cracking of the soil, you can't ignore that. I mean, that's going to make your irrigation spin and, and set time so much longer. So there's just a lot, and they know that as, as they irrigate. And what if you wait too long in some of those heavier cracking clay soils, that, that it's going to take a lot longer to get all the way around, and, and you may be stressing that last few sets too. So all, all of the above, I think, is what you gotta you got to play into it. Hypothetically, if I'm a soybean farmer, let's talk about some potential scenarios. I just planted. I planted into dry soil. Those are starting to emerge. Is it too early to irrigate in that particular scenario? And that's probably a really difficult question to answer. I've said the term generally a lot in, in this podcast, but I guess the way that I would look at that is if you've got some plants 
trying to come up, but you don't have enough moisture for all of it, the likelihood is that some are going to sprout and die. And then if it did rain, the ones that didn't sprout will possibly still be there depending on how long it takes for you to catch a rain. So to irrigate or not to irrigate, I think in that situation you look at the forecast and you make a decision, do I try to water these beans up just based on the lack of forecast to to catch a rain, to try to salvage these that have already germinated and not let them sprout and die. And we all know in the research sense, I'm sure we've we've all planted into situations and then had to irrigate, and that can present some colossal train wrecks. And we're talking about small situations. When you talk about longer runs, I can only imagine that's a bigger headache. Now advance it, and let's talk about something that's V6, V7. Looks fairly vigorous. I don't have anything showing up on my, my sensor. I'm rolling out pipe. Do I water that or do I not water that? I would not water that based on what we mentioned earlier about promoting good root growth. And, and, you know, if if the crop's not giving you a visual sign of of stress, I mean, we've already established that visual stress is not necessarily yield-limiting stress. But if the crop's not giving you any visual stress, there and, and there's no rain in the forecast. There's still no reason to in the vegetative stage because all the, the research that's been done points to irrigation benefits providing yield enhancements, mainly in reproductive growth. So our, our peak water demand begins, it starts at elevating in R2 and, and goes up uh, and, then, and then starts sliding back down as you, as you finish filling those pods up. But uh, the, the main thing to remember in soybeans is just that reproductive growth. And the two descriptions I would use would be pod set and seed fill. If I could choose a part of the season to have zero drought stress, it would be all the way through pod set and seed fill. I can handle drought stress prior to that some level, and I can handle it after the seed finish, if, if, if there's questions, you know, about where to, we're in it towards the end of the season as well. But that, that R3 through R6, R6 and a half, is the most critical time to completely avoid it. But I can, I can definitely tolerate some level of drought stress prior to R2 without being fearful of losing yield potential. Y'all may not have an answer for this, but I'm going to ask you, let's assume that we watered some small beans out of necessity. So there was a reason why we decided these vegetated beans needed to be watered. Then assume that we retard some root growth. If our sets are not such that we can't keep up, are we hurting ourselves by shortening the interval for the sets later on in the year? Or if we have the luxury of being able to pump water that fast, can we still hit our target yield potential? I think my my gut reaction to that scenario is that you – if you have the luxury of keeping up, that you can provide it and you'll be able to hit your yield potential. The issue with having a smaller root system, and, and this would fall a lot into Tom's world, you know, we see a fair number of late season root issues, root diseases and things of that nature. And any time we have a shallow root system coupled with a root challenge at R5 and a half, R6, you know, it'll be a premature termination of that plant. So what you'll end up with is a lot of BBs in the in the top. And that, that happens just because you didn't have the root system to overcome whatever additional stress outside of moisture occurred late in the season. So 
promoting that early season root growth is is ideal. I would try to avoid limiting my, my root development if I could, even if I could keep up with it. I guess you you probably in that scenario for plan scenarios you probably didn't have sensors in the ground to to know when to hold off or how or I guess if you irrigated too early and it didn't didn't go but a lot of times that knowing that the root growth didn't happen is something that that's not there you di- you didn't know that and then having to keep up so quickly is is just a a dangerous game to play sometimes it, it can get as the crop water use ramps up as we mentioned. And being able to keep up with that, and and you mentioned that the, you know some of the overwatering at the top of the side of the field, there's a back and forth of the two sided uh, coin on that as well. Part of our irrigation efficiency, we talk about it, is trying to not have too long of set. So if we want to irrigate this one set, if you're trying to get to the bottom of the field and it takes 48 hours to get down there, you're you're saturating that top side of the field that whole time, and so management of of how long our sets are. Uh, not just the total spin, but how, how long it, it takes for each set. And we need to break some of those sets up too. Trent, this is related to irrigation. We've had a lot of beans get sprayed. Residual herbicide, no residual herbicide. What's your stance on can you incorporate a residual herbicide with a furrow irrigation? I guess uh, my gut reaction to it is it's better than nothing, but – you can't substitute from overhead water coming down to incorporate it. Identical to my reaction too. It's better than nothing. Better than is, nothing is exactly yeah. what. I don't. Yeah, it's not. It's less than ideal, but I think there's situations that that would warrant the attempt. I can't tell folks not to put that residual herbicide in there. I mean, we've spent 15 years, however right. long it's been since we had resistant pigweeds, just preaching residual herbicide. So I can't take that step but at the same time there's no rain in the 10-day forecast you get to the end of that 10 days there's still no rain in the 10-day forecast then you're bumping close to three weeks the question is how long will it lay there i don't know and i don't know if anybody knows because there's so many factors that go into that heat soil texture too many dots to connect enough to just not feel good about it a question that has more of an answer is how much rain does it take to incorporate this treatment? Unfortunately, that's kind of irrelevant right now, but how long will it lay there? Do I need this residual? Can I incorporate this residual with a fur irrigation? That's all the questions that you get now, and there's just not a good scenario beyond what you said, which is better than nothing. And two, those products aren't the same either. So if you True. you flush down the middles with a treatment that's got dual over the top of it versus another field that's got residual over the top of it, those may not be the same. I don't know that they're not, but I would venture to guess that they are not the same. And, you know, the other stuff would apply there too, whether it's Outlook or Warrant or the different products that we use in this time frame, spraying beans over the top. You guys have any parting thoughts or comments? No, not other than I guess I need to go home and wash my truck, too, if that's, <laughs> that's what we're going to try to do to make it rain. I mean, Don's been drawing <laughs> turtles on turn rows he as told fast me, as He possible. told me he drew two this morning already. Somebody <laughs> told me earlier I need to draw an entire family of them at this point, but I, I don't I don't necessarily get into that. Make it rain, Drew. I'll make work it on rain. it. I'll work on it. Hey, if we get another, I mean, we did have a radar map show oh we were throwing that picture around that morning because it it chased me out of walking the dog she heard thunder and that was it man then the dog was walking me to get back home it was 
very uncanny, Drew. That was because I didn't even know that was a possibility. That was not in the forecast. So some folks were blessed by your mojo. If it happens again, then we'll we'll see y'all next week and we'll you're do it again. St- you're starting to develop a pattern for sure because that's at least like three points, right? That's right. Takes three points to make a straight line. That's right. Trent, Drew, good to see y'all. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks, guys. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.